and welcome to Blue Royalty, Blue Royalty After Dark, a London is Blue podcast dedicated to the Chelsea women's team. We are here, it is eight o'clock fresh from Chelsea's final Champions League group stage game against Paris FC and because it's a Blue Royalty After Dark, I have to phone up my good friend, the Night Owl. He's just made a coffee, ladies and gentlemen. Ollie Glanville, how are you doing? Not too bad, yeah. It was it's only my fourth or fifth of the day, so I think we're we're doing well. And I know you are also on dinner duty tonight. Have you had your dinner? What did you go for? What were you making? I was intrigued. I'm not. I'm I'm gonna gonna make pasta after this. So nice, nice. I got a Chinese takeaway because I have to work. So I was like, fuck it, I'm gonna get a Chinese. Uh, and I enjoyed that during the second half of this very very. A game we've decided is just has been silly because because it didn't matter. We've just been able to laugh at it, basically. Yeah, I mean, it's it truly like yeah, it was it was a bit chaotic vibes from start to finish. I'm not sure what to make of the game. Full <laughs> start, we'll get into it, but it's very hard to analyze when you're playing on a farmer's field. There was kind of clownish goings on throughout. And uh, if you just looked at the result, you think it was probably our best performance of the season. And we were texting each other throughout. And yeah, it's like our best our best result of the group stage. Yeah, it, it's so crazy. Um, I ended up only doing one of the away days in this group stage. And I, I picked Real Madrid over Paris because I always thought, oh, there's probably a good chance that we'll be through at this point. But. Now I've got big regrets because I saw photos. It looked like a lovely day in Paris. Ground looked great. I know it's quite central as well, whereas the Real Madrid ground is in the arse end of nowhere. And then this played out on the pitch. Now I'm like, oh, I kind of feel like I missed an iconic game. So there we go. Uh, everyone who did the away day, you picked well. Um, okay, let's start with a, a quick 3-1 match review then before we get into the game itself. Ollie, what are you going for? I'm going to go for hilarious heading heroes because we scored three headers today. I'd have to ask people who know much more than me about these sorts of stats, but that feels very, very rare to me. And they're all they're all good headers in their own way. And uh, yeah, I'm very happy with them. Yeah, I know we need we really need Harry to come up with the last time we scored three headed goals. I also need a total on Frank Herbie's headed career goals because two and two is fantastic we'll talk about that in a in a bit uh, i'm going with arsenal and wolfsburg question mark question mark because 8-1 we've beaten paris fc on aggregate across these two games um they were bizarre today i mean i don't know whether the pressure sort of just got to them and i think especially the second goal that we scored kind of came against the run of play and it felt like that just sort of took the wind out of their sails but there was obviously a lot of chat before the group stage began when we drew them that was just sort of implying that, you know, we'd we'd find out what it was like. And Ollie, we we didn't find out what it was like. I mean, we, we found out. We just <laughs> different results. Um, <laughs> I, I would say, like, maybe it was just the impact of Elsie. I think that's what it was. Like, mm. you know, in that second leg. Again. I spy on the inside. Yeah, my girlfriend my girlfriend asked me during the game because I was explaining it to her about why it was funny. And she was like, is it because, you know, those teams were unlucky and Chelsea or is it because Chelsea are really good? And I was like, 
It's probably a bit of both, but we're pretending it's because Chelsea are really good. And I am going to stick to that and ignore what I saw with my eyes in those other games because this is the funnier outcome. Um, and at the end of the day, everyone only checks the results anyway. So in two years' time, nobody's going to be watching the actual games themselves. We are talking about Chelsea's 4-0 win over Paris FC. The final group stage game, uh, a game that literally meant nothing because we were already top of the group um and it as a result led to some real fun goal scorers some fun lineups so goals from Frank Kirby in the 10th minute me official in the 37th minute Guru Wrighton some awful defending on this one in the 74th minute and then Marin Mielda I think the best header of the three in the 79th minute um let's talk lineup Ollie because maybe actually even before we get into the lineup we should start by talking about squad because I think before this game, everyone knew that it didn't matter. And everyone was like, we want to see as few of our regular important starters as possible. So it came as a bit of a surprise when we got the traveling squad list. And there was no Keris Brown. There was no Katie Cox. Uh, Ashanti Akpam was apparently on the like the official UEFA squad list earlier in the season. And it's now not. So she wouldn't have seemingly been eligible anyway. But that came as a bit of a surprise to me. Not necessarily because I thought those players would start, but I thought they were players who would travel. Do you think this is just sort of a, you know, hone in, this is my squad, I like I, I want to focus on the players who maybe haven't got minutes and even those who have, making sure they're in tip-top condition? Yeah, I think so. Um, I, I did find it a bit sad that, no academy players could make it over obviously other than Aggie um who <laughs> is kind of a more a senior player now obviously um I think yeah it was kind of laying down a marker for these players right she made nine changes so it's essentially saying that this game doesn't really matter but you can make it matter in terms of getting minutes in your legs in terms of scoring goals that you need in terms of you know getting minutes in the legs and and looking like the players we know you can be. And I think a few of the players out there did step up and, and some of them showed why maybe they haven't been playing as many minutes. Um, I'll get into it, but yeah, it was a, it was a kind of a mixed bag. And I, I, I don't think the pitch helped a lot of people, but um, yeah, it was pretty comical at times, especially in the first half. Like uh, there was a lot of, bouncing of the ball and and not much control going on but when we did have uh, get our feet on it there was actually some really nice stuff um I thought the first two goals especially the interplay was really nice going forward and uh yeah Yelena kind of showed what she can offer us when she's less rusty and can actually <laughs> run for longer than about half an hour yeah, I think she was one of the real the real standouts. I'll just run through the team. So we had Zachira in goal. I think this was predictable. We should have a separate conversation about how Zachira is like kind of still the second choice goalkeeper because it doesn't look great for her. Um, back four of Eve Parasite, Mara Mielda, Kanisha Buchanan and Ashley Lawrence. Sophie Ingle and Shukunuskin in the midfield with Yelena Trankovic just ahead of them. Aggie Jones on the left, Frank Kirby on the right and Mia official up top. I think this was about what what I would have guessed from who travelled. I should shout out Fran Kirby Daly because this is exactly what they guessed. So I don't know what secret role they've got behind the scenes, but uh, kudos to them for that leak. Uh, the bench then was Wright and Canard, Charles Carter, LJ Cuthbert and Hampton. 
some stats. We'll go through those as well. So Paris had 14 shots to our six. They had one on target to our four, which is this incredible thing, Ollie. We scored all of our shots on target. And uh, Danielle Mark, who we've had on the pod before, actually, we had him on when um, Yves Perisset signed for us, uh, tweeting, he works for Opta in France, saying that the first team to to score the same number of goals by converting, sorry, I'm translating for French life, by converting all of their shots on target in the Champions League since Opta began analysing the competition in 21-22. Clinique was the French Opta sign-off that he used there. Um, but I, I think that like that really contributed to this feeling of like a one-sided scoreline in what was not a one-sided game at all. Like 14 shots from Paris, like they got into a lot of really, really good positions in this game. Yeah, absolutely. And they absolutely did not take advantage of those positions. Like, um, I, you know, we'll get into our third goal, but a lot of their situations came from similar mistakes at the back and and lack of communication. And we were still seeing kind of clunky interchanges between um, midfield and, and centre-backs and that kind of handoff, um, knowing who who to press and and when to press and knowing whose ball it was and there were kind of a lot of communication issues especially in the first half um I thought we were a bit more solid in the second half but at that stage the game was just even more dead than it when it started so um yeah you, you kind of expect them to grow into it I think some performances at the back were solid like like Ev was pretty solid for me for most of the game and a lot of the other defensive line was very chaotic. Like, yeah, we were seeing lots of rotation at the back that I don't think was intentional. <laughs> <laughs> and at times it was completely chaotic, but yeah. <laughs> yeah, I'll just run through some of the other the other stats as well. 58% possession for us, 77% pass accuracy. That's very low for us. Normally we get above 80. I think that speaks to uh, the team being played and the pitch, as, as Ollie's touched on. Nine fouls there, 12, a yellow card each. Seven offsides for them, three for us, and five corners for them, two for us. So we'll take a quick ad break here, and then we will talk a bit about the madness unfolding and whether we can take anything from it because I'm not entirely sure what I'm taking from it. I think we should start with the hilarious defensive line, because Carlotta tweeted during this match saying, this defence is a social experiment, I'm convinced. And I'm kind of with her, because on paper, Ollie, it's not a bad defence at all. You were talking about, in Parasite and Lawrence, you were talking about Two excellent fullbacks. Uh, Kadisha, we know what Kadisha's like. I actually think she she definitely grew into the game. Did not have the worst game at all. Uh, and then Marmielda is like meant to be our reliable pair of hands. But none of us, I think, could imagine what the four of them all together could create. And it was disgusting. So, uh, yeah, I, I think we... I think we invented like reverse overlapping center backs. I think that's what we were we were going for at the time. We had <laughs> inverted fullbacks that were becoming center backs. Some were at times like Ev was picking up right midfield position going forward when we had lots of possession. And then when we were coming back, Maron was going left back. And then it was just it was complete and utter chaos. Um and obviously, you know, Maron isn't as fast as she used to be. She was never really like 
hyper fast if we're if we're honest but she obviously doesn't have the same recovery pace that she used to have yeah ash and and keisha seem to still feel a bit like strangers even though they've literally played together their whole lives yeah there was lots of chaos there but i think to be honest it was kind of because because sophie was holding and there were kind of issues around who she was pressing and whether she was sitting or not and shook her the whole game was kind of as a working as a box to box that kind of number six role was kind of filled by three or four people at any given time and not necessarily that well <laughs> so <laughs> there was lots of people bouncing around and poor clearances but kind of mopping up and not giving away that bad chances apart from a, a couple of very glaring misses from Paris but yeah, I think the majority of their chances came from particularly awful defending from us. The offside line at times was a triangle. Yeah, it was su at such a weird angle. And then it was like we were surprised that they were like running down the side where we got it totally, totally wrong. And we were sort of looking as they ran through. I love the confidence, though, to hold up your hand knowing you're five like five yards behind every other defender and being like offside like that's how I want to live my life going forward <laughs> yeah a hundred a hundred percent I think we were quite I say lucky I don't know whether I do think maybe there was this sense of like it really didn't matter so I feel like everyone just felt a bit lax a bit off it um and I do think like you were saying some of the recovery was was good and Zachira didn't really have to make a save, you know, the entire, I mean, there was one shot on target. So to that extent, I think it tells you quite a lot about what Paris were able to do when they were able to get into those areas. But going forward, I thought we looked a lot better um, than defensively. And I think there were like some strange moments, but I think there were kind of understandable reasons for that, more understandable than what the four at the back were doing, all of whom have played Marin less so, but have played a lot more like regularly than some of the people further up the pitch. Um, let's start by talking about Trankovic because she has been totally MIA. Uh, there was an injury, which we didn't really ever get to the bottom of what it was. And then there were sort of rumours that maybe she was going to go in January. It kind of seems like we managed to get a better fee for Jesse potentially, or Jesse wanted to go. And now... Doesn't seem like Chankovic is going anywhere because I think we need that uh, depth there. But Ollie, watching her play tonight, I know there was some rusty moments and she got two assists as well. But I actually think the two assists didn't really actually show off her quality. But watching her, I was like, I can't believe this is only her second start of the season because it's not like she's not been fit for all of that time. Yeah, and it was clear that if she had played more, she probably would have been even sharper in, in some aspects of the first half, right? I think uh, the second goal particularly shows what she's all about, really, that kind of audacity to to fake the cross and and send the Paris centre-back out of the stadium for a, for a hot dog and then uh, dinking the cross into Mia, which was a lovely goal. But yeah, just I think her ability on the ball just to settle things down and and find that you know, have the vision to find the pass further forward, just amongst the kind of chaos that the good chaos that people like Shukaniskan cause in 
in the uh, Paris backline. I think that change of pace is so crucial going forward for the rest of the season. I think that's something we miss with a without like a Cap Macario just dropping into this this role and being able to play make and not just uh, and being an astounding ball carrier like a Lauren James, but being more of a kind of sitter and and passer. So, yeah, I think that kind of change of pace will be really crucial going forward with her. Yeah, I was going to say, like, I think the player in the squad she almost does remind me most of is LJ in feeling like that she's very press resistant. She's strong. She's happy to sort of turn on the ball and use her body uh, to protect it. But whereas LJ wants to do that to turn and then start running. And even someone like Erin, I think, is very similar. You know, she feels like someone who really likes to carry the ball. And th those are obviously amazing traits to have. But the way Changovic is sort of able to stop, assess her options, make the pass, it's like she slows the game down which is also, I think, what LJ does, but there's a pass at the end of it. And I think that unlocks a lot of players. And there were some really nice movements, especially early on in that first half, where either Fran or Aggie, but particularly Fran, because we know she likes to come to those central areas, she was coming in and Trankovic was like immediately the one who was sort of peeling off to take up that space. And that's also like a kind of tactical intelligence and awareness, which I think you could forgive someone who played as little as she had from like not necessarily picking up on and maybe having those areas become congested but like you know even for the first goal that's where it, like she's moving out wide to take up the space that Aggie's vacated and I think yeah the and both crosses like I mean look I just seen someone's tweeted at me saying any team giving up headed goals to Fran Bellina should have a hard look at themselves <laughs> which is true uh, and you know there wasn't a huge amount of competition in the box for for some of these balls coming in but you know they they were good crosses they landed where they were supposed to land yeah absolutely and and it was all about that kind of rotation right I think the first goal was all about the the play um where Fran came deep and, as you say, Yelena saw that space, bombed into it. And it, it is a quality final ball. Like, you know, she's she's hitting it from, literally on the byline, right? And it it's a perfect pick out of the back post for Fran Kirby, who is kind hey. of adopting. Yeah, like she's adopting that kind of back post or, you know, front post uh, header role now. And I think, you know, in her heart, she's 10 foot tall. And, you know, on the pitch at the moment, she's giving the same energy. Yeah, definitely. Uh, Grace tweeting to me, a Kurt injury twist that nobody saw coming. And I'm like, yeah, I, I'm kind of here for it. I also think this is exactly why I felt like Fran fits as a nine. And I know she wasn't playing as a nine tonight. And I know it's a bit like silly and it's a bit of a joke, but she has that ability to make those movements. The reason she doesn't always do it is because someone like her is playing instead of her. But when you're playing with a different striker, and maybe we can talk about Mia next, that those opportunities are there to make those movements. She obviously wasn't playing with Mia on Saturday against Brighton. She was the nine in that situation. And I know her header goal there came from a set piece, but I think it just shows you like Fran's sort of, off-ball intelligence is so so high in terms of picking out those areas it's something we talk about Sam a lot you know Sam is like an elite elite header of the ball you know Frank Kirby has never scored two headers in two consecutive games like I don't know that but like I can guarantee that but like Sam isn't the tallest person in the world either you know 
lots of this stuff is about movement and placement and, and where you want to be. And I think it's very telling that um, Fran clearly has, okay, maybe if this is a little bit of a fluke, but has has some of that ability as well. Um, let's, let's talk about Mia though, because she obviously got a goal. Uh, I saw Sam tweeted from CFC Central, who's obviously a good friend of the pod, um, that that would mean a lot to her. And I thought, oh no, she's becoming one of those players where every time they score, we say how much it means to them because like we don't really believe in them. Um, I, d- I don't quite take the same opinion. Like I think her goal against West Ham was way more important in terms of showing like her ability. I think both of us, Ollie, were talking just during the game. It just feels like she's often maybe a second or so off the pace in terms of anticipating what's coming next. And there was a moment where Fran gets the ball on the edge of the box and she's looking to play it in between the defenders. And Mia's just that that second behind and, and the ball goes through and it's gone, you know? And it's like Mia needed... Fran was playing that ball for someone who was already making the run and Mia was waiting for the ball and obviously then it had gone. And that felt like it kind of summed up like what we're maybe missing with her right now. Yeah, and you know, I <laughs> I do take Sam's point. I do think I'm not sure she she needed it, but I think given the context with Myra arriving, that's where this kind of extra pressure has come in. But to me, it feels like this was supposed to be a development year for her anyway, and she's already pay, played probably more often and earlier than Emma would have done. And I think I've made this point on previous pods as well. She scored some important goals for us, a couple of important goals, but this was not one of them. <laughs> um, but I am glad that she she is kind of leaning into that, holding the ball up, um, because I think it is one of her key traits. But as you say, it's that indecisiveness. It's that split second where she gets the ball, she's laid it off, and then she doesn't necessarily back herself to bomb forward into that gap having laid the ball off to a Frank Kirby or a Yelena Shankovic or whoever who can find her again. And that's kind of the next step I want to see from her. That's the next graduation in her game for me. The issue she has is that Myra's already got that. Like Myra can already do this, uh, lay it off, pace through, occupy defences, and she has the pace that Mia doesn't necessarily have. So for me, it'll be really interesting going forward to see Mia's role in the team. And I think she's going to be how she was probably intended to be used throughout the rest of the season as a kind of impact sub and someone who can really disrupt the defence. Because today we saw, you know, yes, Paris were comical at times at the back, but she was occupying the centre-backs and she was moving them about and she was holding the ball up and laying people in. And that can be really crucial in, in kind of, bigger set piece games like I'm thinking you know second leg of a knockout game where you want someone just to run the channels and and hold the ball up the issue she has is again that Myra can do that and she's going to start those games so what she needs to develop is that kind of USP and for me her aerial ability is that so if she can become that kind of back post uh predator and just making sure she can score those headed goals and and maybe at a rate that is really valuable for the team off the bench for example then i think that'll be really crucial in the second half of the season 
Yeah, and I think it's it's obviously a tough situation to be in because, as you say, in some ways, like nothing has changed probably for what the expectation on Mia was, e.g., that she was the second choice striker. Obviously, what has changed is the fact that Chelsea have brought in for basically for a world record fee or thereabouts another striker in front of her, which and that will still be true when Sam Kerr's back from her ACL injury. Um, not to mention Kat Macario. So I think it is obviously, you know, to some extent nothing's changed, but I think it'd also be foolish to, like, I I put myself in her her shoes. You know, if I was the second choice writer at something and for whatever reason, the first choice person, they couldn't get them to do a piece and then they just got someone else, I'd be pissed off. Even if I knew that was like, that was supposedly my role. Like, of course that affects you. I think it's been good that at least, you know, we've had these sort of couple of games whereby I know she came off at half time against Real Madrid, but like, because Myra obviously wasn't even here for that game, but like, you know, to get to play tonight, for example, because Myra wasn't eligible. Like, I think that's like important and it's nice for her to have got those minutes and hopefully she'll still get opportunities. Look, we've got Palace in the FA Cup. We've got, we drew Sunderland in the quarterfinals of the Conti Cup. So it's not like there's not going to be opportunities there to to play minutes and there, there will, of course, be rotation as, um, as the game goes on, uh, as the season goes on. Uh, let's talk a little bit also then about Aggie Beaver-Jones. I think this was interesting because... Um, she obviously signed this new deal uh, over the weekend, which is exciting. Deal to 2026 with an option for another year. Um, but at the same time, Ollie, I feel like she's in a really interesting position in her development because she is clearly a darling of the fan base. Understandably, we haven't had like an academy player through in years. Her name is great for songs. That's been a big boost for her, I think. I don't want to look past it. I think it's true. And she scored a ton of goals in quite quite unique situations. And I think what we saw tonight is that this is still a very raw player when you're putting her on to start games. Yeah, I think that's fair. I think it's kind of, it's reverse to how I feel like Mia's role in this squad will be this season. I feel like Aggie has front-weighted a lot of the a lot of the love she's going to get this season by getting all those goals early on and, and showing her true potential and being, you know, if if she can play at that level with development going forward, then she's kind of indispensable. If, if she can play and, and run at tired legs, we always say how much, essentially it's a cheat code when she comes on against them, right? And again, that next step in her development is being impactful from the start. Like she 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 scored against Liverpool and that was that was great. And it was wonderful at Stamford Bridge and you saw how much it meant to her. But getting that kind of consistency and that decision making in the final third, I think is her next step. Because it always feels like there's a tension between her wanting to score again <laughs> and making the right pass. And I think that's wonderful for a young forward. And I think she has kind of all the ability to really make it for this club and I really want her to be a key player going forward but I think there is that tension where you know Guru is coming back into fitness now um and scored again and a, another assist <laughs> I mean the third goal was absolutely comical from Guru and she's got her right foot so that tells you how much about that but yeah I think 
those minutes then come into question again and she becomes an impact sub and it's just about how much value she can add from the bench again but she had listen you know she's tall she's fast she definitely has an eye for goal she can really be a amazing player for this football club and i just want to see that her development path is is well planned out and i think we'll see a lot of her in the cups to be honest the same as me yeah i think yeah i i agree i think in some ways you could stop aggie's season right here after i don't want to i'm excited to see what she does the rest of the season but at the start of the season i think if you were to show her the minute she's got, the impact she's made in games, the goals she's scored, as you mentioned, scoring at Stamford Bridge, being able to start in the Champions League, that is like an incredibly good year. And I think it's understandable that people want to see more of her, but I'm also like, calma, basically. Like, she's going to be great. She's going to be great. There's no need to rush. Um, And I think there was sort of... There, you know, I think I think to, watching her tonight and against Brighton, we saw a bit more like, oh, this is a player who's still really adjusting to play in an absolutely elite team. And that is totally, totally, totally fine. But I am glad that there are, you know, options and players around her that means that, yeah, she might not get a huge number of starts the rest of the season, maybe like one or two more. But I think that's a pretty good good place to be going and the new contract I think shows that the club obviously feels the same way too let's take a ad break here then and when we come back we will talk a little bit more about what else went on in this game we've kind of lost track of where we are I'm trying to go chronologically but we've gone here there everywhere a bit like the game did itself I guess maybe where we should jump back in logically is maybe to talk about some of the subs because we saw Gura Wrighton come on, as you mentioned. We saw Johanna Ritten-Kanarid come on. Kirby came off. Um, Obviously a big deal, I think, for Fran to have played this many minutes. I was surprised to see her start again in this one. Uh, Brighton was her first full 90. Um, And I think, again... A player who feels like, you know, she's getting there. And that that feels very standard for this Chelsea team. You know, year on year, we tend to see um, players and the team as a whole building up to, like, the bigger moments of the season. And I think when you're talking about Wright and when you're talking about Kirby, you can see that we're in that kind of position. But um, I guess I kind of want to talk about was we felt like we ended up in this sort of 4-4-2, which felt like a, a little bit different. I mean, we obviously play that shape out of possession anyway. But it was interesting to feel like that was sort of more, felt more the case in possession than it had in in other games that that we'd seen in the season so far. Yeah, I think it's down to personnel, right? Because I think we've tried to play this kind of 4-4-2 with one midfielder very deliberately joining the attacking line a number of times. But that midfielder has usually been Shuknuskan and she gives big chaos energy. So it's hard to keep kind of track of her where she's actually deliberately supposed to be and how much she's just kind of improvising the the kind of tactical role in order to affect change right so I think the fact that Yelena was there and she was very clearly running like repetitious runs right she was breaking wide each time whenever she received the ball um she was laying it into Fran for the first goal that was like a very clear pattern of play just like breaking beyond Aggie and and getting into a crossing position. So I think 
maybe that kind of tactical understanding that Yelena offers in that kind of role just shows what the kind of envisioned 442 was supposed to be when you have that kind of player there. And, you know, flashing forward to when Kat Macario is fit, for instance, that is absolutely a role I can see Kat being in. Or, you know, you know, if if we want to change it up and have uh, Lauren and, and Kat rotating, that's the that's the kind of fluid dynamic role where you can envision them dovetailing, right? So I think it's a really exciting way of thinking about it. And the options that we have there with Myra coming in as well. And you saw the potential for what could be. Um, I think, yeah, we won't see a kind of flat 442 or whatever that defensive four was <laughs> today, like a 112 or whatever at times. But yeah, I think it just shows how much flexibility this squad has and the options that Emma has at her disposal. And when you're thinking about a Champions League run, and really how this group stage has turned out and the potential opponents we are coming, you know, going to run into, we're going to need that fluidity tactically and we're going to need those options going forward. Yeah, I think it's very interesting to think about like how we tried to play, especially against Barcelona, for example, where we knew we weren't going to have a lot of the ball and it felt like we basically just focused on our out-of-possession shape. I think to then see this kind of thing in action, obviously, probably with different personnel to how we play if we were playing a semi-final in the Champions League. But yeah, it was quite an interesting thing to see because it felt like this, and this is a bit of the concern, I guess, about the defensive line is obviously games like this where you're making, what, nine changes from Brighton are all about how well does your team as a whole, your squad as a whole, know what your game plan is. That's why the defence, I was like, <laughs> but because as you said go forward there were like quite clear patterns of play that it felt like everyone knew what they were doing and I can't say that about the back half of the pitch but anyway they kept the clean sheet so um yeah there was some absolutely awful and hilarious Paris defending which led to Guru's goal but nice to see her sort of sneak in and and get one there um from open play uh and then she obviously also got that assist for the header from Marin, I mean, this game, I think Ollie in many ways was over at 2-0. Hecken had also gone 1-0 up against Real Madrid. Um, Obviously, something could else have happened there, but it didn't. It felt like Paris never really had the impetus to get back into the game. If I could pinpoint the moment, actually, it would be, was it Dufour who missed the absolute, like, basically sitter from the penalty spot at the start of the second? I think that's where the sort of whole game ended. Yeah, and I, I literally don't remember them having an attack after that. <laughs> it, it, in, in contrast, like every time we went forward, you know, we scored four goals from four shots, as you were saying. It felt like we could have scored more if we played like to our potential. And even when Paris were kind of almost desperately pushing forward at times, it felt like, you know, there were some of their attackers were trying to do it all by themselves. And it, yeah, it, it all felt like it was kind of game over at 2-0. And the 3-0 kind of summed up their night, really. It was just a very awkward high pass from Sophie. She basically just hooped it forward. Um, and there was complete miscommunication at the back. You know, and Nadozi came for it, but not entirely. The centre-back was supposed to head it back to her. She left it. And Guru was just like, okay, cool. I'll just walk in and pass it in from 18 yards. So, yeah, I think... 
a shout out to Marin for the fourth one as like rolling back the years with a lovely flicked header. It's very aesthetically pleasing and it clearly meant quite a lot to her as well to score because um, she really celebrated that one with with gurus. That was really nice to see. But yeah, um, imagine like conceding a goal away to Paris. Like it must be tough. Who could do it? Definitely. Very, very embarrassing. Uh, yeah, I tweeted this, but I'll say it. Marin did look so happy and it really made me laugh because I was like, you literally scored our most important goal of the last last season in that league. I know it was a penalty, so maybe it didn't feel the same. I was like, why do you look happy? I almost did this one. I guess maybe it was the tension. It was very much like a relief in the Stamford Bridge game, whereas this just felt like a, a fun day out. Um, okay, let's finish off then with players of the match. I'm going to give mine to Chankovic, just because I was like, where have you been? And I missed you and you're really good. And I wish... We saw you play more for Chelsea. Yeah, I, I, I think you can't really look past Yelena's first half, really. Um, just the kind of positive aspects, all of the positive aspects of that first half came through her and that potential of, of seeing her again um, without a car strain, hopefully, going forward, looking less rusty and how important she can be going forward. Yeah, definitely someone who I, I really hope we see more of. I know we're in a good spot with um Erin and Melly at the moment in the midfield, but I definitely think it's she's someone who's really worth giving more minutes to, even just from a tactical perspective. Like we said, I do think she offers something very, very unique. Um and yeah, I hope we get to see more of her. But okay, that pretty much wraps us up. We've gone through this quite quick, because as I say, not sure how much to take, there is to take from this game, other than the fact that we topped the group, but we knew that anyway. Real Madrid are out. They didn't manage to win a single game. I'm still laughing about that. So, so funny. Um, yeah, they're only, the, the only point they got is the one they cheated their way to against us on that very, very first match day. Um, the draw for the quarterfinals takes place next week. Quarterfinals themselves take place in March. We've got a long way to wait from here. Um, lots to get excited for. I'm not going to run you through what is going on elsewhere, um, other than to say that obviously Hecken were the team who got through with us. They came through in second place. Elsewhere at the moment is whatever madness is going down in Group C, which I'm not even going to try and explain. Uh, and then obviously the other two groups wrap up tomorrow, but they look quite set already. We host Everton next then on Sunday. This is actually this Tuesday game. It was a quick turnaround from Brighton. This works out quite well for us because we've got a while now uh, till the game on Sunday. Are you going to be at Kings Meadow, Ollie, on Sunday? Yeah, might be. Might be. He's thinking about it. He's thinking about it. It's a very strange late kickoff on a Sunday. I'm, I'm not really sure how I feel about it. It's weird energy. It's the Sky Sports game. Um, I'm going to go to West Ham Arsenal at 12.30 and then have a couple of beers and then go all the way across London. It is basically that Chigwell Construction Stadium to King's Meadow must be about as far as you can go, I think, between two grounds in London on a Sunday. But I'm going to do it because thanks for the 6.45 kickoff. There's plenty of time. Um, we did draw Sunderland for anyone who missed all the funniness that occurred with United managing to get themselves knocked out of the Conti Cup. Um, so... Yeah, that worked out quite well for us. We got the team that ended up going through. Um, so yeah, we will play them at home on Google has it down on the seventh. I think it might be the seventh or the eighth. They've not confirmed it yet, basically. Crystal Palace in the FA Cup after that. Man City at home after that. So four home games from now until the international break. When the international break uh is over, we'll have Leicester City away. So, Ollie, 
Thank you very, very much for joining me. Um, listeners, thank you for joining us. I will be back with Abdullah later this week for you. We are going to do that Myra Ramirez deep dive we've talked about. But until then, Chelsea fans, you know what to do. Keep the blue flag flying high. <laughs>